0: Everybody, This is Stephanie Rupert. Thank you for tuning in to The Meaning of Everything, where we attempt to gain a deeper understanding of our biggest questions and problems. Now, today is episode 10X. It is December 20th, which is super exciting. And I am going to be talking about differences between Eastern and Western cultures, specifically as they pertain to our mental health. So last week, I had on Marie... You'll remember she was brilliant, Marie of Sepien. And we talked a lot about her experiences growing up in a more communal setting in the neuroscientific literature. We might call this extended cognition, what she experienced, right? Sort of being held and living in a space where your psychology is more intertwined with the psychology of the people around you. And that was really fascinating. And that's a huge contrast to the way that we live in the West, in which we're all so very individual, very isolated. And both of these ways of living have positives and negatives. And I think they can learn from each other. And we can learn, I think, most definitely from from the way that uh, more traditionally Eastern and specifically Chinese thinking does these sorts of things. So I'll unpack those a little bit a few announcements. First, happy holidays, whatever your holiday is. That's super exciting. I love them. By this time, I should be home with my family in Detroit, which is really exciting. We like to put up tons and tons of lights. And I always, we have a basket of hats and I always like to make sure that everybody is always wearing a Christmas or otherwise festive holiday themed hat so I am very very happy that it's the holidays I have an exciting announcement to make there is I have a winner from my book giveaway her name is Jackie Cooper I will have already sent Jackie an email which is really exciting she'll get to pick a book off of my personal shelf which I'm looking at over there I am giving away free books Uh, once a week in a drawing to people who leave reviews of the podcast because I want to thank you for the the time and effort that I know that that takes. And so I'm super about excited about that. It's ongoing. If you want to check out what list of books there are that I'm giving away you can find that at StephanieRupert.com slash book giveaway all one word or just basically the website in general. It's very obvious and easy how to get to things. So StephanieRupert.com can meet all of your meaning of everything in various podcasts related needs Uh, so that's that's really cool that's really exciting if you want to do that all you have to do is write a review of the podcast take a snapshot of it send it to tmoeverything at gmail.com and then you we will we will be all set and other than that all all i all i have left to do is i want to talk about the the psychological problems of living in a western culture so let's jump into it first I wanna to touch briefly because I think it's interesting on why exactly the East and the West ended up this way. And I will be using as comparison countries, the States and China. These are the two that are the most well studied and also they're very polarized. The The States are as individualistic as you can get and China tends to be as, uh, com- I, com- I wanna say communalistic, I don't wanna say communistic because I don't wanna have quite the political commuta- er, connotations, but the most collectivist, I suppose, kind of culture in in a large scale that we're dealing with here in the 21st century. So why are we this way? It's really interesting. I think it tends to be, historically speaking, much more common and, and more natural for humans to be a little bit more group immersed than we are here in the West. The West is kind of an anomaly in this sense, but there are political realities on both sides that have sort of pushed and polarized us in, in this way. China's origins in this sense go back thousands of years. The Chinese empires have been in existence for, in some form or another, for several thousand years now. And so when this began happening, the people who lived in the area or in China and, and surrounding what we now see as surrounding countries, people who lived there were very diverse. And yet they were continually being united under a common emperor. And these emperors, in order to have order in their land and assure loyalty to them, needed to find ways, needed to promote ideas and and ways of living that promoted social harmony and prioritizing order and loyalty to the state. And this is the political milieu out of which Confucianism arose. And this is what, for anybody who studied this sort of thing, this is is what Confucianism is mostly about, in a sense. It's harmony and social relations and making sure that you are in right relationship with the people around you, with institutions, with your career, all these sorts of things. These are the ultimate ongoing Goal. Now, if you listened to Monday's podcast, you'll have heard Marie talk about how many of the people she knows, and especially the women now still to this day in the places in which she grew up, refer to themselves in terms of their relationships. They call themselves mother or sister, friend, that sort of thing of specific people, because people are always de- defining themselves in terms of their relationality. And this is something that is happens in the West, to be sure. But we tend to, you know, if you take a look at our social media profiles or our CVs or what have you, we'll call ourselves entrepreneurs, thinkers, philosophers, dreamers, whatever. We'll give ourselves a title, often a romanticized one at that, something that's very individualistic and constantly seeking ways to to build up ourselves. Now, the West evolved in this way differently from the East, also because of political and economic realities. And this was in large part because of the way that Europe developed in the Middle Ages when uh, commerce was developing and fiefdoms and kingdoms were developing and people had funds and resources like they hadn't had previously and actually were developing something that we now identify as capitalism, right? Uh, Innovation and selling their own goods and sort of networking between different nations, states and, and all these different kinds of realities. And then, like I talked about in episode 4X, go to stephanierupert.com slash 4X to find it, Um, I talked about how different religions and different cultures sort of evolved out of this, out of this more individualistic, out of the negotiations that were happening between religions and states. Religion had to be privatized. Your beliefs had to be privatized. They had to be brought like internal to you and states became the things to which we were loyal. But these were states that were already being predicated on ideas that were developing in the enlightenment like individualism, freedom, uh, the free market, all that sort of thing. These ideas were coalescing at the same time. So anyway, this is how, and this is a piece of how the Western story was made. It's, it's much bigger than that. Obviously, a piece of how the, the Chinese story was made is much bigger than that. But that's how we ended up so polarized. And the differences today are striking, and we know that there are concrete differences, and we're not just sort of hand waving, which is the term that scholars use to say that we're making stuff up. We're not just sort of waving our hands. The in studies. For example, if you look at a photograph and you can compare what people observe in the West and what people observe in the East, people in the West will tell you the most noticeable thing is the individual in the photograph or the foreground, whatever, say there's like a flower and some mountains in the background, the flower will be the most noticeable thing. Whereas people from China will tend to uh, much more often look at the background, look at other people, look at the surrounding environments, will see a more holistic picture and will decenter the focal point that Westerners are drawn to this is the primary difference but it has massive ongoing implications for both of these for both of these communities um, and specifically I want to talk about today in terms of mental health now of course there are economic implications enormous ones political implications but in terms of our mental health we have observed that the reported rates of mental health problems in the States and in China are massively different. And there's way, way, way more reporting happening in the West, right? I know you'll say 30% of people experience anxiety disorders in their life. Um, 10 to 20, 20% might have some sort of depressive episode at some point in their life. In the States, this will be reported. And in China, the rates are much lower, like five and 2%. And there's a massive question, of course, in terms of the culture around these questions and people's reporting, right? Do people experience these problems in China and just not report them? As it turns out, the answer to that question is by and large, yes, there is a massive reporting disparity, but this is precisely because of the cultures that were developed around these ideas of the self versus the community, right? So in the States, if we have a problem, often we know that we will address it it's okay to talk about it i'm an individual i'm gonna fix my problem and that's that's that it's on me i'm gonna fix it maybe my community is going to help but in a country like china especially today in in the wake of maoism there is a lot of stigma attached to mental health disorders and this is in large part because if you have a mental health disorder, you are disruptive to your community. And that's a bad thing. And what you want to be doing constantly throughout your life is being as little of a disturbance to your community as possible. That is the ultimate goal, right? To work within the whole, to be a part of the whole, to make sure that it functions smoothly. And so people both shame and are terrified of being diagnosed with mental illness this is changing in the 21st century. Younger Ch- Chinese generations are seeking out private help online much more often and all this sort of stuff, uh, but it's, it's really stigmatized precisely because you're supposed to fit in. And so something that, uh, that these cultures can, of course, learn from the West, and they are, is that it's, it's okay. It's not your fault. You don't just need to work harder. It's okay to have a, uh, any sort of mental illness or mood disorder. Now the West, what can the West learn from the East? As it turns out in studies of mental health, Americans are very interesting because we tend to be rated as the happiest culture in the world or one of the happiest cultures in the world. And also, of course, to experience some of the highest rates of anxiety and depression. So what gives, right? As it turns out, the individualistic worldview does allow for Extremes, or for a lot of pleasure, for a lot of autonomy to seek what you want in life, generally speaking. But that comes with a really high risk of anxiety and depression because there's a lot of pressure on you personally to make yourself happy. Something that Westerners do compared to Easterners, at least far more often, is to consider emotional states to be endemic to the self or to be your problem, you're to blame. And this can be a really big problem for managing them. Often, when you're in a culture in which you see things more holistically, it's easier to look at the environmental circumstances and say, okay, these are a factor And then if I want to change how I feel, then I can change my circumstances. Now, of course, that becomes very tricky if you're living in a community where you can't change your circumstances or changing your circumstances would be disruptive. But the mindset, generally speaking, is to look, be able to look more holistically at a problem and to not like we do at the West, be so wrapped up within ourselves that we, don't, that we don't reach out to others, that we don't look at environmental causes, that we tend to attribute blame to ourselves for our own situations, that we tend to also, we see ourselves as stable, right? We don't see ourselves as consistently changing throughout time, becoming new people, fluctuating with our environments, being really dependent on our environment psychologically, which, by the way, we absolutely are. But in the West, we tend not to see this. And so as we see emotions arising out of this stable self, we tend to see that they're permanent. People who are depressed in the West tend to think that they will always feel that way. And the same goes for anxiety, but to a lesser extent because depression and anxiety are too phenomenologically, that is experientially, like they feel different. They're two different problems. But in the West, we tend to let our emotions hit us, and then really impact the way that we think about ourselves and often for the negative. Of course, also in the West, we're deeply disconnected from one another. We tend to move out of our houses early than earlier than other cultures do, especially in America, although that has changed in recent years. Uh, we tend to live alone. We tend to wait longer before we start families. We tend to focus on nuclear families to the exclusion of extended families, right? We usher our elderly into homes alone, right? There's so much about the West where everything that you do is on your shoulders. You're to blame, you're responsible, you must build your life, and also you must sleep alone in your room, right? It's except for when people live in college dorm rooms or have siblings, people tend to live in their rooms alone which feels very natural and of course normal to us but it's actually quite an anomaly throughout the history of like the human species. So this rabid individualism in the west does allow for greater creativity and innovation. This is why we see so much entrepreneurialism in the west. It tends to allow for these things because you are challenged to think analytically, to think independently to think outside the box but this comes at the cost of of course falling into anxiety and depression when either you're worried about making this these endeavors your life succeed or you're sad or lethargic about the possibility of not being able to do it or failing at doing it that's an enormous price now of course the price in the east is that you sacrifice Often independent thinking, outside of the box thinking, you tend to be cultured to uh, live within a certain ideological framework. And of course, again, these things are all changing, but generally speaking, they're true. And so probably the answer, at least so far as we can tell right now, as in most things, is to draw a little bit of wisdom from both sides and meet in the middle. Hold on to, if you live in the West, some of the creativity and initiative and passion and dreams that we have, but also learn to integrate other people in our lives so we're not so alone, so we're just have a better mood from being around people who make us feel nice. That's massively, massively important. And we can also, of course, learn to think more holistically about our circumstances. Look more at what's going on around us focus less on our own stories. You know, sometimes I I work with women and body image issues and self-love problems. I have been for many, many years. And one of the most important things for overcoming these problems I have often found is finding something to love and to focus on and to take care of that's not yourself. You know, we often focus a lot in the West on pursuing our own dream and pursuing our own happiness. But the pressure that that puts on us almost makes it dissolve, right? And in some ways, the solution to this problem isn't to focus on our own happiness, but the happiness of others. And then satisfaction bubbles up. It bubbles up from the cracks because you're simply living a productive and helpful and satisfying life. So those are a few things I've talked for about as long as I think I should have. So I will will stop now. I think that's a really good conversation to be having around the holidays. I think a lot of us are very... Uh, emotionally tense for one reason or another, whether we're way up on a high or way down on a low. So it's definitely worth reflecting on the ways that we think about ourselves, that we sit with our communities and that we experience sadness and joy. So that's it here today for episode 10X. I, next week, will not be airing an episode on Christmas Eve, but we'll rejoin you again on Thursday. I think it's Christmas Eve. Anyway, no episode on Monday. There will be another one on Thursday. And then back to a back to a normal schedule the following week. Thank you so so much for tuning in. It has been a pleasure as always. I will talk to you next week. Thank you.